0: 7654321. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this, you crazy mother. Welcome to the Dead Pundits
1: Society. Now, here is your host, Adam Proctor. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Dead Pundit Society. As always, I'm Adam Proctor. Thanks for joining us. I've got a great guest this week, uh, Katie Halper. Many of you will recognize the name and the voice from The Katie Halper Show. Uh, She's joining me. We're going to talk about gender essentialism and woke neoliberal feminism as it appears on Twitter and new media. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to talk a lot about Twitter. I know many of you are fed up with Twitter. I myself would probably not even be on Twitter at all if it weren't for the need to promote and talk uh, about my podcast. But you know, if, if you've written that breakup letter with Twitter and you don't want anything to do with it, that's fine. You do you. If it's bad for your mental health, I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. If you do engage on Twitter, I think you're, you're going to enjoy this episode uh, because Katie Halper talks about a lot of dead pundits on the liberal and center left center right and uh, how to combat their bs on the daily so stay tuned for that i've got a patreon page as uh many of you know it's been blowing up lately i'm incredibly grateful for that head on over to www.patreon.com dead pundits and you can sign up for three dollars five dollars or eight dollars a month and you can get access to exclusive content. I've got an amazing interview with The Godfather, Adolph Reed Jr. himself. It's two hours long. It's really good. I've got a lot of great feedback from that, and I think uh, it, you know the, the, the content there speaks for itself. So join the Patreon. Head on over to that page. Smash the subscribe button. You're going to get a two-hour interview exclusive uh, with Adolph Reed where we talk about race and class and all types of stuff. The man's a genius. He's an OG. He's been on the socialist left for 50 years. He has a lot to say. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Additionally, I've got a longer version of this episode. It's about an hour and 40 minutes, hour and 45 minutes. That's going to go up on the Patreon page. So if you want to get the full interview for this week's episode, you're only going to get it if you're a member of the Dead Pundit Society. So head over to www.patreon.com slash deadpundits and smash that subscribe button catch me on twitter at dead pundits you can find me on facebook just search for dead pundit society and you will find the facebook page where i post all my episodes and all that good stuff so once again if you're not a member of the dead pundit society you're only going to be getting a truncated version of this interview if you are a member head on over to patreon and listen to the full hour and 45 minutes in any case enjoy Katie Halper is on the line with me today. She is the host of the aptly titled Katie Halper Show. She's also a writer, political commentator, a noted Bernie bro, a comedian. I did that, the feminine version, the, the two N's, comedian. Mm. Yes, that's how woke I am. And recently it just, it came out that she's also a cam girl. Uh, Katie Halper, thanks for coming on the Dead Pundit Society.
0: Thanks for having me. Also, I'm a, I'm a feminist Bernie bro is how I like to label myself.
1: A socialist feminist, broker, oh, yeah. perhaps. Yes, yes
0: exactly. Most of those I things, yeah.
1: Don't mean to be too presumptuous. but uh, So tell us a story. You were recently outed as a cam girl by one of the oh, dead yeah. pundits that we want to highlight on the show today. So tell us who that dead pundit was, and let's talk about that for a minute. It's a good way to open things.
0: Sure. So, uh, Sally Albright, one of my favorite neoliberal shill pundits. She's uh, – what, what's so great about Sally Albright is that you can go into her timeline and you find every single talking point.
1: That's oh, like a treasure um, trove.
0: It really is, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll go in there just to see what the, what the neoliberals are thinking uh, because she, she has no filter – and she doesn't even know how to play Woke on TV or on Twitter. So let me just – just to give you some background, uh, unless you want to set it up. I don't want to step on your toes. Not at all, not at all. I
1: I, I, I call myself the Dead Pundits Society. I get a little lazy on this stuff. I just can't keep up with the Twitter I know, there are too many. I
0: know, I know. And
1: I'm reading dusty books. I'm a grad student too, you know. Right. so So that's why I brought you on the show. I brought you on the show. I do a lot of sophisticated theoretical stuff. And not that you're not sophisticated, mm. but I want some real shit here today. Right. We're going to get to right. the nitty gritty. We're going to talk about the people who write things that other people actually read. Right? Yes.
0: Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. But we right? can also talk about you know we can we can drop some Foucault, whatever. We, we can talk have about Heidegger say. or yeah, exactly. Hegel or yeah.
1: Kant as well. Virginia sure Woolf. I'm sure that's in the wheelhouse. It is. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, my my, uh, my old dusty figures weren't very woke. Uh, no, that's okay Virginia Woolf yeah. is better My mom
0: wrote her PhD On Virginia Woolf, by the way Wow
1: Actually, I'd like to hear A little bit about that At some yeah. point But Yeah So, I don't want to presume Any knowledge Is what I'm Okay, getting.
0: yes, right Let, um, Well, right so Because let's Sally Albright Sure, yeah Sorry
1: Yeah, who's who she is Right And, like, what her role is What her position is Where she works yeah um whether or not they actually pay her that's that's inconclusive right right
0: now. so, so uh, who is sally Sally albright i've always been a bit conflicted about and torn over whether or not to kind of respond to and cover she's not someone like joy reid who has a huge platform you know joy reid has her own show on msnbc she right. writes for places like the daily Bee. she covered al giordano she's like meet the man who wants gonna primary bernie sanders um Sally Albright doesn't seem to have a real existence outside of Twitter and outside of her communications uh, comms profession, although it's not clear how well she does as that. I guess she's a comm strategist or something. She worked on Hillary's 2008 campaign. Uh, the, you know, we all saw how that ended up. <laughs> What that led to. Hell of a uh, resume there. Hell sorry. of a resume. Well, you know what the best thing about her is that she, I don't know if you know this, but she has on her resume that she also worked for Newt Gingrich. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So this is great. And she, <laughs> apparently the way she justifies that is that, oh, wait, I'm trying to look in, let me just pull up her actual LinkedIn. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, apparently, let's see. So... Her yeah her her bio on LinkedIn says comm strategist and political organizer. Her special she lives in D.C. Her specialty is public relations and communications. She currently works for Capital Waterfront Group, the Rainer Deut- Deschine, some German word I don't know Deschine Foundation. Mm-hmm. Her previous employment is Druid City Media, uh, Forward NC, K Hagen for Senate, Buzzards Bay Strategies. Let's see she. Uh, but the, the best thing about her bio is that, let's see, most recently she was a managing partner at Capital Waterfront Group. Not sure what that is. Got to look into it. But uh, let's see, where's the, where's the, did she take it out? Her, I got to find, wait, wait, wait. Oh, here it is. I found it. Newt Gingrich for president, Iowa caucuses 2012. Um, spent six weeks organizing Southwest Iowa as political staff for the 2011 caucuses to experience a different perspective. Uh which you know, I know that I when I'm trying to understand a different perspective, I make sure that I try to get the person elected. Uh right. le- you know.
1: She was testing out to see if the Republican money was as green as exactly. the Democrat money. I'm sure exactly, I think she yeah. found out that it might be a, a darker shade of green actually. As it For, maybe yes. more of it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I, I I would think so, yeah. Um he also you know, she's also praised Sean Spicer on Twitter. There's photos of her with Ugh. Rick Perry. Um also I, I I mean I got my picture taken with like uh Herman Cain, with uh what's the guy's name from Fox, who's like Pervy. I can't believe I can't remember his name. Rod Han- Hannity. Well no, oh, Sean Hannity, oh, Hannity. F- yeah. Former
1: Fox, yes. Sean
0: Hannity. Oh, you no, know, he's still there, isn't he?
1: Well, no, I was talking Roger Ailes, the big... Oh, right, 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 uh, right,
0: the big big perv. And then there's the other big perv, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, Yeah. so, but I mean, when I get my pictures taken, it's with irony, right? I have a... I got Andrew Breitbart, RIP, before he died. I don't think Sally was, like, joking around when she got her picture taken with Rick Perry. Anyway, the thing that's great about Sally is that, I mean, she's just an... I think she's just a, a Twitter personality, but again, she has all the talking points. She's like a treasure trove, as you said. She's a great primary source document. And uh, one of the best things that she ever tweeted was something that she then deleted, which was about how income inequality is only a problem for straight white men. The the rest of us have bigger problems to worry about, which was just like, wow, Sally, let's let me just take a moment to explain to you that when you're woke and you pretend to be intersectional, which these people do, forget even being intersectional. When you just understand any basic thing, you're su- what the line is, right? This is what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say that the left only cares about income inequality and not about gender or racial justice. Right. Um, it's a stupid thing to say because nobody will actually ever give you an example of something that the left opposes that liberals want that helps women or POC And doesn't help uh, working class people of all backgrounds. Nor will they ever give you an example of something. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Conversely, but they'll never give you an example of something liberals put forward that helps uh, women and POC. That the that liberals that that the left blocks. And I'm using the liberal left dichotomy roughly to say like Clinton, Bernie. You know, right, right. I mean, not to say that, but that's where that's the kind of the the vulgar. Split, I would say, or between, you know It's really, honestly, it's between most Democrats And then, uh, those are the liberals And then people like Sanders or Keith Ellison Are the, the leftists, I would say But most leftists are Are not even aren't, You don't have to be a Democrat to be a leftist Anyway, I think, I think you know this I think your listeners know the difference, right?
1: They do, my listeners are, are fairly sophisticated But just to back up your point, Sally Albright's Twitter bio uh, oh, one God, of her yeah. One of her acclaims is that she's bringing back liberal. So, like, yeah. you know, Liberal wasn't cool, but Sally is going oh to see my and bring it back. Well, also, before that, she, she notes that she's a rock and roll girl. I was going to say, I was She's a regular say. Joan fucking Jet, you know, just look at her pearls around her neck or whatever. Nothing's yeah. wrong with that, but no, I mean, no, no, no. who but are
0: these people? Th- that's well, what I was going to say, is that, like, just her mm. claiming Liberal, being the rock and roll girl that she is, she's already made it cool.
1: Oh, so cool. Like, that's so all she has to do, is
0: just literally associate her name with it. Hip you take rock and roll hip-hop, girl. Hip-hop, but not a-
1: uh yeah, yeah, so cool. Anyway, yeah. so Sally is leading the charge and trying to make like liberalism cool again. Small yeah. L, I think small L, yes. And so she's she's dead pundit number one. And so let's talk about her oh, little, yeah. her little cam girl oh, yeah. uh, slur, I sure. would say. It's it's also kind of funny, but it's also a slur. So tell let's, okay, let's yeah. talk about that story Because that's recent, that's very recent, yeah?
0: Yes, this is recent, yeah So I'll often tweet about her and tweet at her Because again, she does all the things Like Bernie is, uh, you know, three houses uh, He's a socialist, he hates women of color People of color I think she calls them minorities um, I mean, you should have seen, like, black Twitter Left black Twitter was, like, lost, understandably Like, lost its shit and Had a field day about this because it's just the worst. It's like if you know the first thing about racism or sexism, you get that the people who suffer most from income inequality and most from any sort of economic thing, whether it's health care, um, you know, like the banking, you know, the housing process, uh, crisis that hurt uh, black people especially hard. Um, so, it, again, you, you should know that these things like hurt non-white people even harder than white people. Right. And women. Um, those and women the more than men. Those who lost the lottery, right? right. I mean, yeah. Those are the ones yeah. who – It's so dumb. I mean, minimum wage. Look at minimum wage, which is why yeah. I can't stand – if you're a feminist and you don't care about minimum wage and you never – like you should have at least pretended to be happy that, that Sanders pushed Hillary on, $15, on, on Fight for 15, on raising the minimum wage. Uh, and I know that some people are like, stop relitigating the primary. But the thing is, all these issues are still there. Um, oh, they're
1: live. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: they're yeah. totally live. And and even, you know, after the election, you saw, and I know that Jen Palmieri is no longer working for Clinton. You know, she was the Clinton uh, director of comms in uh, 2016. But she went on uh, Meet the Press and told Chuck Todd not to confuse the, the all the anti-Trump rallies, not to think that that was about Fight for 15. It was about, uh, instead, it was about boycotting Nordstrom's and, um, like, And <laughs> I'm not kidding. She actually said that. And it was so, her, her point was such bullshit. it was so incoherent that, um, actually, I want to I try to stay clean, because that's my brand, is that I can make these points without cursing. You're Do you mind cutting comic. that out?
1: You're a clean yeah. Christian comic. Well, actually, you know, yeah. the
0: new uh, National Review Online called me, years ago, they reviewed a comedy show I was in, they called me cute and somewhat brainy, and uh, the only uh, profanity-free comedian in the show. Anyway Oh yeah Yeah So that was yeah. flattering Anyway so uh, Hashtag
1: clean comedy Okay
0: Yeah Where where, What was it Sorry I got distracted by uh, What were we just saying uh, No what we're saying uh, People of color
1: Relitigating the primaries Oh and saying, yes like, yes Yeah so this I just want to You know Foreground it there's, yeah. there's this There's this accusation That only comes Like at the Bernie bros That oh we're the ones Who are relitigating The primary As if this exactly. sort of Centrist chess game That's been non-stop Since the election uh, we're not a form of also relitigating the primary. So yeah, let's let's hash that up.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, also these people constantly attack Sanders. That's a the thing. They're like, can we just move on? Let's move on. And basically, what they want is to be able to to attack Sanders all that they want, and for none of us to say anything. And if we do, if we respond to it, you know, I'd like to not have to talk about this stuff and 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 Sanders all the time. But first of all, Sanders is still active and he's doing things right. So he's like, the
1: most he's the most popular politician in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's more, he's more popular than, than, you know, um, sliced bread at this point. And so when, when they say, let's not talk about him, let's get over it, it's just ignoring the facts on the ground, right? When you're right. winning a game, you just say, scoreboard. Sure. Right? And they want to say, like, no, 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 the scoreboard doesn't matter.
0: Right. Well, it's, it's not only are, is he relevant, but they're, they keep talking smack about. I mean, look at Joy Reid. Joy Reid spends all yes. her time on Twitter telling us why Bernie Sanders is such a cheap parasite. And I have to say, I have to say something. As a Jew who's, like, constantly spending her time saying that XYZ is not anti-Semitic because XYZ is actually just a legit criticism of, of the state of Israel, mm-hmm. I get such joy uh, being able to call out either anti-Semitism or, like, adja- anti-Semitic-adjacent stuff. Yeah. So, right. like, I'm not saying that Joy Reid is an anti-Semite when she calls Bernie, like, a parasitic freeloader, mm-hmm. but... But, like, to be charitable, I don't know if she is an anti-Semite or has anti-Semitic feelings or whatever. I will say that if – that when people say something that's much further from sexist – from sexism or racism about Hillary Clinton or Cory Booker, Joy at al. will label them as racist, sexist, trash. Oh,
1: yeah. So she doesn't cut anybody exactly. slack. Exactly.
0: But she saying. wants to be cut slack. Like, again, yeah. if you want to be really strict about people's language and, and read it into stuff, that's fine. But then don't go around calling – a Jew, cheap, uh, and you know the, the the college friend who stays on the couch and doesn't pay rent.
1: Right, you might say that's structurally anti-Semitic because historically the the kind of allegories and the and the. The, the visions that that, oh, yeah. that anti-Semites will evoke as parasitism and being of course. cheap and, and yeah. the kind of like outside or influence oh. yeah
0: living off of and no I mean again it's not that she necessarily is being anti-Semitic but it is so there's such an anti-Semitic trope that an established anti-Semitic trope which overlaps with what she's saying right. that it's at the very to be charitable it's just really insensitive and sloppy
1: should probably think twice. It's structurally anti- anti-Semitic. I like that. I think it works. That someone I, I didn't come up with that, but yeah. So let's talk about Anne Reed. Let's let's foreground okay. her a little bit. She's a little bit more famous, right. con- c- Considerably more, more famous, yeah. famous than Sally Albright. Um, she's yeah. got her own show on MSNBC. She has almost seven hundred thousand followers on Twitter. So who who is who is Joyanne Reed and what's she all about?
0: Joanne Reed used to be an editor at the Grio, I think, Grio.com, which is a mm-hmm. website. It's kind of African-American-focused uh, website. Um, it's
1: like a Melissa, Melissa Harris-Perry kind of deal. Or kind like of, although, you know, Melissa Harris-Perry, somewhat.
0: I think, is much further to the left yes, of, uh, yes. and much more academic and intellectual than Joanne Reed or, or I would say, the Grio in general. And she – I actually heard her speak at the Sidney Hillman Awards, and she, she, she called out, like, she said, you know, we're, we call Trump racist, but we, we kind of created him. And she said something about deportations, and she called out Obama for oh. his record number of deportations. I was like, wow. This was
1: Melissa Harris Perry.
0: Yes, after her yes, show was okay. canceled. Um, yeah, she got an award. She kind of went rogue
1: a little bit. Yes, yeah. yeah, so she she's did, yeah. she been good. Sorry, she's not canceled. Good.
0: She really quit because they kept canceling on her. Anyway, yeah. So, so someone like Joy Reid, you know, uh, and, and there's a whole debate over how much we should be talking about people and how much Twitter matters. And I've kind of come to the c- conclusion that I say this a lot, it's a bit corny, but like Twitter is a window into where the soul of the media would be. Uh, and I think it's a useful tool if, I mean, one question is how much influence it has. And I think it does have influence in some ways. But it's also a, a good diagnostic tool, I think. It's like a way to to peer into what people are thinking. Um, and some of these people do have bigger platforms in writing. And then, you know, people like to dismiss Twitter as not the real world, which is fine, But it is, you know, what's the value of any media criticism, right? Like, mm-hmm. is there any point in analyzing an article that's in The Nation? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just think people I, – I, it's not like I, I – i there aren't legit valid criticisms of, of Twitter or of analyzing Twitter, but I think people are a little lazy about it. Like, again, where's that line? Like, is – Media critics. Should we just not even talk about any of this stuff? Should we just all be writing about you know organizing?
1: Right. The same criteria that you would use to dismiss Twitter could be used in any form of media or pop yeah. popular culture. I mean, so at yeah. some point, like you know, at some point, it's it's kind of yeah. There there are limitations to everything, and, and, and you're really hitting on a, a point that's central to this episode because I suspect that I'm going to get a little bit of criticism and some pushback maybe from my audience about like well WTF man like why are you talking about Twitter why are you wasting the entire episode we're all sophisticated either we want to talk about high theory or we want to talk about organizing and taking on the boss right exactly yeah why are you engaged in this sideshow? so I think you really touched on that pretty well yeah I
0: mean there are organizers right like they I believe look I always have I try so on my radio show I try to uh you know, have organizers on, Becky Bond's been on, you know, I've had, uh, Be- Becky Bond, I've had her on a lot. She was a senior Sanders yeah. organizer. She was a Credo before, but she real organizing chops. Uh, she's been, you know, out in the streets for this and that. Uh, ben Jealous, who's now, you know, a politician, but he was at the NAACP uh, Nina Turner. Um, Eric Andiola, who's an immigration rights uh, organizer. But, you know, I I also think, like, I'm not going to be delusional about what I do. Like, I don't, I'm not a pavement-pounding organizer. And I guess I'm just a little bit tired. Again, it's like, if you want to criticize, look, like, I have fun also engaging on Twitter. And the truth is, I need to spend less time on Twitter. But sometimes... (laughs) we all. I know, but but it's it is a little lazy. Like again, if if it's not if it's a waste of time to write, I just want people to like set up some rules. Like, what are the, what are the thresholds? Like, is it a waste of time to write about someone's tweets unless they have X number of followers? And if it's a waste of time to write about someone's tweets, again, like, uh, is it a waste of time to write about their articles? So all I'm saying is that I think that there's there's room to be critical, but the, people have this dichotomy between like this is fair game and this isn't fair game. Um, And again, I think it's it's it may there's two two different questions about Twitter or social media in general. One is how much it influences and one is how much it reflects it. And even if it's just a reflection, I do see there. I see some value there. But, um, you know, anyway,
1: I came up. I just want to interject. I came up on podcasts. It's the reason why I'm here. and It's the reason why I'm doing one. Um, You know, I grew up in a fairly isolated area politically and podcasts were kind of like my saving grace, that one thread that I could grasp onto and feel like I was connected to the discourse and to, to, to activities and things. And so, you know, I do my fair share of organizing on the side. Uh, but, you know, I, I just – anyone who denigrates this form of activity as a form of, you know, integrated activism I think is really kind of missing the sure, point yeah. a little bit.
0: No, yeah. and I've done – like I, I've done labor organizing. I actually really, really loved it. Um, I miss doing that kind of work. But uh, – and I, I started out as a – I started out my political career as a volunteer for uh, to caucus. He didn't know it at the uh, time. Yeah. But, you know, I was born 81, so <laughs> I was pretty young. Uh,
1: Baby Dukakis supporter Yeah,
0: I was a little yeah. bit uh, I went to my first NARAL rally in DC At like, I think six or something Oh um,
1: gee, Yeah, shit. there's yeah. photos
0: of me with pigtails wow. I was so cute um, <laughs> I can send them Yeah, but
1: them. like, to, to, to expound on the point Not to beat sure. it up But like, there used to be a time, right? I don't know, in the 1930s, 40s, 50s Where you could get like, um, or, like organic, authentic Like, organizing political advice From like, say, an older person Like, in your union
0: Yeah. Or in like the
1: union, like the trade union women's auxiliary, like not Mm -hmm. to be sexist. That's just what it was. Right. You could go and like, I mean, watch like um, Harlan County, USA, like Uh, my God, like those women and men were organized and and there was a sort of knowledge that circulated, you know, uh, about like how to organize, how to relate to the bosses, how to see yourself in the world as a collective entity. And those like organic community links have broken down. And so like podcasts like this one and yours and others can sort of step in to fill that gap and can – and you can get a good old-fashioned talking to over iTunes instead of at the trade union hall or on the job or
0: whatever. Well, my grandmother actually – my great-grandmother was in the ILGWU, uh, International Ladies Garment Workers Um, I went to this camp called Kinderland which is like a socialist summer camp socialist That's communist bad. summer camp Yeah, I
1: did not know you were a red diaper baby oh
0: yeah totally you know what interview I mean not to be totally self-promoting but uh, I did a good interview with um, Nostalgia Trap uh, David Parsons had a had a good interview. I mean, if I do say so myself, where I go through all my Red Diaper Baby history. But um, That's
1: good. Yes, you guys should check it out. In lieu of a full biography, check that out on the Star yeah.
0: Trek. But, yeah, basically, just to, to recap, sorry. Uh, you see, speaking of Virginia Woolf, I have a very stream of consciousness, kind of. Uh, That's fine. It's feminist of me. But so there's, there's we we're framing kind of Twitter criticism in general. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, there's media criticism in general, too. And I've written about kind of a... Uh, uh, the media's framing of identity politics and I've written about uh, like the, what I see as the kind of co-opting of feminism for neoliberal purposes, but just to explain the Sally Albright thing um, and then we can kind of maybe back up into Joy Reid and other people and Joan Walsh and I had an interesting thing on Twitter also, yes. which was, uh, yeah. So Uh, Sally Albright uh, I don't even remember what she was saying but again she does all the, the talking points about Sanders being sexist misogynist she also I'd love to mention she retweeted something once and remember all these people who claim to be woke right, and who claim to care about disenfranchised communities and and frame the debate as kind of the left that only cares about economics and liberals who take an intersectional approach, even though it couldn't be further from the truth, because they're the ones, you know, remember Hillary famously said, uh, well, breaking up the banks and racism? No. Well, Sanders never said it would and racism. But <laughs> let's not pretend that they're totally unrelated, right? Making uh, people like, free college, will that and racism? No, but is that totally unrelated? No. Like again, the people hardest hurt from the housing stuff, uh, who would at hardest hurt from the banks not being regulated were African-Americans. Um, so it's this whole false dichotomy and really the ones who are reductionists are the liberals who pretend that everything but class matters. I call them mm-hmm. uh, uh, IEC, IEC, intersectional everything but class. Uh, so okay, so Sally Albright uh, again presents herself as woke. Marcus Johnson presents himself as woke. Also, he's tweeted lots of anti-Semitic things, lots of homophobic things. Um, James Walcott wrote about the alt left uh, critically. He mentioned to not mention uh, he managed to not mention a single woman in his review of all the people on the so-called alt left. He himself, he's a really smart guy. I've enjoyed a lot of his writing, but he himself tweeted about Chelsea Manning, that, that her response to Obama, not besides being ungrateful, was like a boilerplate Bernie bro response, and this is a transgender woman. And again, if you claim to be woke and sensitive to, to the experiences of people who are not straight white men, cis, straight white men, you probably don't want to make a Bernie bro reference about someone who's transgender, right? Yeah, um, probably not. It's not that woke. Anyway, so Sally Albright, just as an example of this, this queen of wokeness, she, she did tweet a couple months ago. She retweeted this guy who's, whose handle is Mr. Chin Official. And uh, yeah, he tweeted Bernie following Protocols of Elders of Zion playbook to a T. Don't think this will ever stop. Um, and, f- and for people who don't know, the Protocols of Elders of Zion is some myth about some book. That like I don't even know that Jews have that about I guess running the world and controlling the media or something. Yeah, um, this
1: sort of secret back back room where you know you Jewish folks uh, yeah. control everything, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's a real thing. Um, You've it is been a real. There. Thing. Is it a nice I've been room? there.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. A little gaudy. A little gaudy for my yeah, taste,
1: as it would be, right? I mean, yeah. you know, how, you know how they are.
0: Yeah, how they roll. Um, so Sally tweeted um, at me. Um, is that cam girl Katie? Uh, is that cam girl Katie? And she spelled my name wrong. Come on, Sally. She spelled my name K-A-T-Y. It's I-E. Mm. Uh, I can't see her, but she pipes up pretty regularly when she needs to bash other women for attention. Uh, which, oh. like, Sally, you're oh. really, really projecting. And again, you're playing feminists. You like to dress up as feminist, But here, let me just give you a uh, pro tip. Uh, feminists don't use sex workers as uh, insults. Uh, so a, a cam girl is someone who like, is on camera and gets paid for you know doing. I, don't, I guess they they talk about sex or they perform certain things. It's not there. It's like it's it's remote. They're on a it's you know they're on a camera, on their computer, and a guy or girl I guess pays for them. Um, so they're, they're
1: internet sex workers. Yeah. yeah,
0: they're internet sex workers. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I just thought that was really really funny. It's like calling me a whore basically. Yeah, basically. Um,
1: and also saying like that you're you're acting out to get attention is just another Oh right, yeah, anti- yeah, I feminist, love that. anti-woman trope that she's projecting back on you. Oh yeah, you, it's
0: totally sexist. Falsehood. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah, projecting. Only, you don't have me. brains
1: of your own. You can't possibly have oh, no, yeah, a stance. Yeah. You're just acting out to get the attention of the boys, which just totally oh, replays I, and rehashes the arguments of the primary, right? I mean, it's the same different yes. day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been told that um I was a I had internalized misogyny. Uh, I mean, the idea that... It's just so funny because it's like I'm the one who's embarrassed by these women calling themselves feminists because, again, if you don't see why the Fight for 15 is a feminist issue, just, like, stop pretending you're at all intersectional. Again, the majority of of minimum-wage workers... uh, Fight for 15, that movement is about raising the minimum wage, and the majority of minimum-wage workers are women and people of color, and yet uh, not a single... Feminists like liberal feminists uh, or Hillary Clinton supporting feminists ever made an issue of the fact that Sanders supported this movement and Hillary Clinton didn't. She did it begrudgingly. We're going
1: to talk about paid family leave rather than. The fight for 15 or rather than fighting for like union rights, because we know the vast majority at this point, and it's going to just keep increasing over the next 10 years of members of unions are women of color in this country. And so there is no more intersectional uh, political terrain than the trade union struggle right now. Right. But you'll never hear any of these, uh, you know, any of these woke neoliberal feminists talking about unions for sure. No, no.
0: That's that's a man's terrain. That's the white working class. right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So it was just, I mean, I, I, I'm just grateful to her, I guess, in some ways, for, for not being kind of um, smart or nuanced enough to know how to pretend to be a feminist. And so I've had another woman say that I was, had internalized misogyny, and then this other woman said that I was one of those feminists, I was good, like I was strong, but not too strong, because I didn't want to upset men. It's like, not to be whatever, my attitude since like the age of five has been really in-your-face feminists. And, like, trust me, I was a feminist way before it was cool, uh, and it doesn't get me dates. I mean, it, it's a good way to weed out guys, because guys who don't like sure. feminists are not guys I want to be with anyway. But the idea that, like, again, that I'm trying to curry favor or that I don't have my own lefty politics. Again, I went to... A, Communist summer camp. Like I can sing labor <laughs> songs and Joe Hill songs around. You know, run circles to, to mix metaphors uh, around yeah. ed, whoever. You know, I'm um, just doing it
1: for the boys, though. It's yeah, I've
0: always I, right. I started it at, at the very pre sexual age of five years old when I would like literally ask my mom when we ran into <laughs> we ran into these family friends once. Um, and my litmus test, I literally said to my mom, I was like, "There, they think the Rosenbergs were innocent, right?" <laughs> That's like. Because I don't want to talk to them if they don't. Yeah, basically, I <laughs> As a I was a little intolerant. Yeah, I was like a hey, little. You got to. Like, I mean,
1: every you got to have your standards, you know. I know. Yeah, that was my
0: standards. litmus test. For some people, it's abortion. For me, it's Rosenberg's uh, yeah. stance. But, um, so sorry. Let me just see. Oh my God! Then we'll get to Joy in one second. But um. What was the thing? Let's see. Oh, you know what it was? Is that I got, I saw Sally Albright was like, said another burner attempting to mess with my career because, as we know, they are terrible people. Um, And I, I guess I responded to that saying that would require your having a career. Your last jobs were Clinton comms. And volunteering for gingrich right and then she goes. i love
1: that they also boil this down to their career right like this oh isn't gosh, about yeah. politics no. this isn't about like the actual effects on people on real people's lives like life and death kind of matters right this is about her career right as a consultant to losing political campaigns
0: sure yeah 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 it was really ridiculous so uh, I'm trying to see what that was in, re- sorry, I'm just opening this up to see what that was. Also, she blocked me, so if you can't see, you just need to unblock me or open an incognito window, but, um, uh, this was, oh, we were, I was fighting with some other person, I don't even want to give her any attention, because she has, like, no, uh, followers, and she's kind of pathetic, but, uh, she, oh, she's so annoying, she's like, you don't like what I have to say, not my problem, it's yours, you aren't required to be here, feel free to find something else to do. Um, I don't even know, again, like, don't know what the hell she was talking about. Um, but.
1: And they personal, they personalize these politics, right? Like it's about them. Like how how dare you, why are you wasting your time coming at me? Like leave me alone. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't care about
0: Jen, Jen be curly. I don't even know who you are. Yeah.
1: (laughs) These positions have 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 like tangible and concrete effects and impacts, right? Yeah. It's almost like they deal with their po- politics like it's such an arm's oh. length kind of performative, professional, professionalized basis. They can't possibly comprehend people who have like real, like visceral, emotional, lived attachments to these things,
0: or not right? even or concrete material ones, right? I mean, yes, their exactly, their stuff is exactly. all about the way they experience stuff and the way something make them makes them feel and microaggressions. Those yeah. things are important. They're not more important than a living wage like I really sorry I, I don't care that much about like the way it feels for you to see a tweet that says XYZ um, and again you can always get off Twitter like I don't think harassment is like first of all they, harassment to these people is anything that's ever said to someone who supports Hillary Clinton or supports liberals in general and uh, when you criticize someone like me or someone I'm doing what they're doing any woman or person of color anyone on the left when you criticize that person you're speaking truth to power But when you criticize a a liberal, you are harassing them. Um, So, but then Joy Reid, circling back a little bit to Joy, to Joy Reid, MSNBC host Joy Reid, MSNBC host Joy Reid. She said something amazing on Thursday. I think that I was at dinner and I stupidly checked Twitter, and then I went down this this kind of again rabbit hole. But I actually don't. I never know if I use that word correctly. Anyway, so but it is right. Okay, yeah. Joy retweeted that. you know, Matt Iglesias, who I actually went to high school with.
1: Maddie. You went to high school with, um, Maddie. Maddie, high school yeah. with Maddie. Yeah, Maddie I did. Yeah, why?
0: And he's been saying some very reasonable stuff about yes, Sanders yes. being, you know, and it's just so yeah. funny that, like, all these people who used to, to, to love him and retweet him and, and share all his Vox pieces, now all of a sudden they, they think he's like the devil, like the devil incarnate, yeah.
1: I actually, you know, I don't love Matt, and I'm not ready to sort of open up my arms up and give him a big bro hug just yet. But like, it is nice to see that the fractures on their side, the centrist liberal left, is like those fractures are widening, right? I think that's a really important yes. development, yeah. like for the kind of political you know revolution that we're trying to do. I think on the socialist left.
0: Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're just different layers and levels, and it's like if some some people can just be much more honest than others. Um, and I think there is something to be said about changing your position or kind of admitting to getting certain things wrong. Uh, he hasn't done like a major mea culpa, but it seems like he's a little bit more. The thing that I that bothers me about liberals is when they they hide, they pretend that their ideology is pragmatism. Um, and he does, that, to his credit, seem to really think that, you know, he seems to be taking into account what happened and some of the electoral outcomes. Um, so I saw, so lots of people were mad at, uh, at Matt Iglesias for saying, basically speaking about how, writing about how popular Bernie Sanders is. And so Joy was one of these people. And again, these are like liberals who I think they, they I think they feel like they've been stabbed in the back uh, by their, their like former, uh, you know, com- comrade, not that they'd ever use that word, uh, mm-hmm. but their former uh, corporate creative or whatever. Um, so she said, Matt, speaking of Matt Iglesias, also managed to write a lot of words without addressing a single Sanders negative. The FBI investigation, praise of the Sandinistas. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. So, so I <laughs> tweeted, Joy should run for office on the Contras ticket. I will mail in a decapitated peasant head or torture <laughs> manual to cast my vote. Uh, and I had also tweeted before that, honestly, watching Libs pile on Matt as if he's Leon Trotsky is one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed on Twitter. Um, but I, I then I went on this whole thing about how, and this is true. I, I found her, you know, her like tweet about the Sandinistas so, so dripping with American ignorance and and privilege. Um,
1: God, yeah, right wing contras, yeah, right wing death squads, death marching squads down that the, like tortured people, town, you know?
0: and yeah, who were so. This, in case people don't know, this was Nicaragua where the Sandinistas yeah. were elected, um, uh, and they were you know left, and then the contras were the uh. The rebels, quote, rebels who tried to, kept trying to overthrow them. And they, CIA, uh, funded, and CIA funded, and of course, uh, Ali North helped and uh, Reagan violate, you know, lied to Congress about it and the Iran Contras. scandal the
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: It was basically helping the sale of arms to Iran, um, which violated this arms embargo, right? Because they were, right. yeah. Um, and then they funded, with that money, they funded the Contras in Nicaragua. Right. Uh, basically, and that violated so money
1: laundering and illegal weapons. Uh, yes, safely, exactly. Basically. So a, a right. twofer.
0: A twofer, yeah. A great. It was a great discount, a great bargain, oh. and that like then that also explicitly violated the Boland Amendment, which made it. Um,
1: oh, you're dropping knowledge. Now, I know. Right?
0: Yeah, I know. Right. Crazy. This is good. Um, and it all, it's a, it's kind of a fascinating story. But anyway, so it's,
1: one of the, it's one of Reagan's atrocities. It's one of you know uh, America's biggest like uh, shameful. Uh, you know events to to, to go down yeah. in the last 50 years and in long story short Joy that's saying that's saying, a
0: lot. that's saying a lot.
1: falling on on the side of the right wing death squads right in this in right this whole spiel and, and all in all for the you know who even knows you know she'd probably renounce that position but that the, the thing is that's not the point the point is take whatever shot you can at Sanders whenever you can take it because that's the goal right, right? It's not about political principle. It's not even about, like, sticking to the facts or the narrative. It's just take the shot whenever you can get it. Destroy, attack the Sanders, you know, side relentlessly.
0: Right. And it's also, I think it does go back to this, like, woke hypocrisy where it's like you're woke until it's politically inconvenient. And then at that point you really don't. And it's also, like, there's so much jingoism and America first – Nationalism built into the into woke liberalism. right I mean there's that famous Imani Gandhi tweet where she says that you know she cares more about about uteri uh, or American the uterus of American women than she does about like refugees. I mean, it's just like first of all, that makes no sense unless maybe that would make sense that false dichotomy if there were like a relocation program for refugees in our uteri, like, if they were really <laughs> yeah. trying to procure yeah, yeah. space, like, asylum for refugees. Because you can't
1: do both, clearly, right? Yeah. It's just impossible you I mean, way to, to care about refugees and women's reproductive rights at the same time.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's one or Pick the other. Pick a side.
1: We're at war. Pick a
0: team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so absurd. So that, again, it's like this. But it's a very, you know, there is this, this very kind of open framing of caring about international stuff as white privilege. Um, you know, someone who, like, Rania Kallick has to deal with that all the time. Uh, lots of people who are Arab American also have to deal with that when you know they, they dare to be upset about the suffering of Palestinians or really any or droning or any, anything that where brown people are or are killed that's white privilege and the rest of you know people of color in the United States apparently have more important things to worry about
1: so we're getting down to brass tacks in the issue. We've been going here for a little while, and I want to talk about some more dead pundits before sure. we finish up, but let's thread the argument here and get real precise to the to the point. I've, I've done several uh, episodes now in the past couple of months. We are in the midst of, I didn't mention this earlier, we're in the midst of my Summer Anti-Essentialism Series 2017. Um, very exciting. Nice. I, I wish I could you know modify my voice so it echoes there, like a used Just car add, sales. Just add an effect, a, right? A used car commercial or whatever. So in this episode, I wanted to bring up the kind of uh, the essentialism of, of gender, the way that it's played out in liberal politics. And, and we're really getting to the heart of it. And I talked about this in, in past episodes, whether it was um, with uh, Cedric Johnson, and we talked quite a bit in uh, Nevada de Majumdar, and the way it comes out in kind of like more dusty academic treatments of gender. But you're getting at the same type of issue. And, and that these are kind of labeled like women's issues. And so right. that, that that kind of like this conceptual framework, this kind of con- liberal, quote unquote, intersectional framework that they use is really more of an exclusionary mechanism. Um, it's really a way for them to kind of set up boundaries and false uh, false dichotomies and, and so on so that they don't have to worry about other issues. It's kind of an exclusionary mechanism.
0: Right. I mean, it's a way to stifle, right? It's kind of like a way to stifle any, uh, I mean, so are you talking about the way that people define sexism and feminism in very, uh, can, can you, I guess, elaborate a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I think mean? like,
1: so this is one of the things I'm trying to develop on my show and I'm trying to do it very delicately cause I don't want to come off saying that something that I am not. Um, I am a, a, a socialist myself, a democratic socialist, and I believe in, in, in waging an intersectional uh, uh, battle against capitalism. Um, so strategically, we have to be intersectional, and we are, and we ought to be, and it's fantastic that there's a growing movement there. But theoretically, there, there is a sl- conceptual slippage inside of intersectionality. The way that you separate race, gender, class, sexuality you see that these are separate distinct entities that they have a logic of their own and they have to be like externally related and brought into relation. Right. But the reality is that like they never actually ever appear separate. Right. right? Like it's never really actually clear like what a woman's issue is.
0: Sure. If you're yeah, in,
1: in total exclusion of any other. Right, like at the very least, like almost all of women's issues that seem like they're only women's issues are also about children too, right? Sure. They're or also class, about families. Right? Yeah. they're certainly about class.
0: Right. I mean, I think what happens. So right. So like, if you take minimum wage, okay. If you take um, equal pay, or if you take abortion, uh, all those things. You know, abortion relates to to things about to, to stuff about access, right? And it's a healthcare sure. issue, right? I think it's true. I think the reason that that people bring things up like intersectionality and people kind of, you know, bring up the the gender angle or the or the racial angle is because um and it's this isn't really questions of policy. I think it's it's as much or at least like larger policy, you know. I think that there's this myth again that people who care about economics kind of marginalize other issues, but there can be a I do think that like there has been and this is with liberals as much as with leftists, so I, I feel comfortable making this critique. but you know it's easy when you just focus on something, uh, you can kind of you can oh, i hate center i guess certain aspects of something like you know we do need to talk about in other words, it's not just you can't just talk about um Economics and not talk about abortion, but you can't just talk about abortion and not talk about economics. And look, there's also an organizing strategy, right? This is, I do think this is important. This is an organizing strategy. Like, you have people, you can't pretend that a, I mean, I'm usually someone like you or someone like me, we're like, um, we're emphasizing the fact that just being a white working class person doesn't, like, being a white working class person. Who is has let who's undereducated and has less access uh, is not the same thing as being a very wealthy white person, right? And there's this kind of flattening, conflating of right. uh of well, it happens to people. For, there's a uh, conflating, um, you know, mo- a monolithization of people of color nice. as all yeah, right? As like Hopefully. liberals do this, like all people of color are woke, um, right. and you know none of them are to the left of I don't know, like Cory Booker. DeRay, right? And once you go any more to the left of that, you're a racist socialist. Uh, sure. You know, so people like Martin Luther King, totally self-loathing black dude um, for, you know, the things that he said. But, and you know, and, and I think that so we, people like us try to kind of say, like, you know, what's good for uh, an, a working class African-American or a working class woman who's African-American or Latina uh you know the things that, that help the white working class. There's there's nothing inherently racist about stuff that helps the white working class people. Um, but I think that the the re- that you do you don't want to appear so so liberals overstate I think white privilege. So that uh, I mean yes, there's white privilege, but also if you're like living in a shanty town and are a minor... Uh, you're not enjoying the white privilege the same way someone on Wall Street does. But I do think that in terms of organizing, like, we do have to speak out, speak to and acknowledge the the double oppression that people, or triple or quadruple oppression that people face, right? I mean, it's not the same thing walking down the streets of New York City. If you're a white working class guy and you're an African American guy of any class, really, uh, it's not the same thing walking down the street, right? Like, you or getting followed in a store. Uh, there's Those are like kind of experienced things, but then there's also not the same legacy of, you know, Social Security really excluded uh, black people, especially black women, domestic workers. In the South. Uh, right in now. the South, right? Um, How is, you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates, for, I don't agree with everything he says, but he's you know, his pieces on reparations document all the housing things that happened. So I think that, you know, you can't pretend that certain historical... Things didn't happen to people. You can't pretend that like Absolutely. women didn't die in alleys trying to have abortions. Um, uh, you can't pretend that like our criminal justice system treats uh, African Americans and white people the same. But also, there's of course tons of classism uh, in our criminal justice system. But I think that's where it comes from. I think that liberals exploit a kind of uh, I don't know. I mean, I I think that every liber- everyone needs to be better about kind of, I think people in general need to be better about making connections between their own groups and other groups. Um, and I think it's the failure to do so that liberals then exploit, portray as a leftist kind of position or, or tenant of leftism. And of course the truth is there's much more, uh, liberals are much more racist and sexist and homophobic, uh, in the way that they totally neglect the issues that hurt everyone or hurt the 99% and hurt the very disenfranchised groups they pretend to care about that much more.
1: Right, right. I mean Navita Dhamandar and Vivek Chibber were on the show recently and they break it down very very eloquently in terms of um, it's not about, you know, uh, the exclusion of oppression, it's it's class, color's oppression in a certain way that, you know, you have to take Account of if you, if you ever want to end it And marginality cannot be an end in itself Like marginality is a result Of the violence and exploitation And oppression of capitalism Like we want to overcome marginality uh, right. By joining together And understanding that our oppressions And our ex- hyper-exploitations are linked In different but relative ways Sure Right, and I, think, I think that's a really great way to put it And it's like, you know, so what
0: But I mean, I, I do think that we can also Like focus on, you know, I think we can acknowledge The double the double burdens oh, yeah. or the double oh, yeah. oppression, and, and we have
1: to, and we yeah. have to, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you say abortion's a great one, housing access. Um, let's, you know, let's let's make it concrete. So there was a, 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 a op-ed or a piece in, that it appeared in the Independent. Pardon me, a British uh, outlet uh, by Serena Bergman.
0: Oh God! The gosh. title
1: is "Calling Jeremy Corbyn the Absolute Boy Isn't Funny." It's a reminder of how little he understands women's issues. So this is a hit piece on Jeremy Corbyn, that he's not a feminist. He doesn't care about things like uh, paid family leave and so on and so forth. And that he might be more of a lad than his supporters are willing to admit. So here's a kind of weaponization of that, like, essentialist version of women's issues, in scare quotes. Like, liberals like to throw around black issues. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that women don't have issues. It's not to say that of course people of color have very specific issues right. and needs and demands. Um, but the way that the liberals use it is always as a cudgel against the kind of more holistic intersectional approach right. that the right. lefties uh, right. like to use. So what was your take on that piece?
0: Well I mean I, I think just going back for one second to the hel- to the minimum wage stuff and healthcare yeah, yeah. stuff, I just think those are such great examples of like no one – I mean, I'm not against affirmative action, right? So there's this like – and that's one of the only – that's one of the very few issues I ever can think of where where that really is an issue that, prior, that centers race over class, right? Race and gender over class. And I'm not against affirmative action. But that if the entire left were against affirmative action and all liberals were for it, that then like the liberal kind of narrative would make some sense. But again, going back to the Hillary-Bernie thing – Hillary gets, I think, a 96% rating from the NAACP on affirmative action, and Bernie gets 97%, right? So there's nothing there. But in terms of – there's a couple critiques that you'll get about something like trying to get single payer or um, uh, minimum wage, improving minimum wage, right? And it's that it won't get rid of sexism or it won't get rid of racism. Okay, guess what? There are lots of things – in fact, I would say – Nothing that we've ever encountered will on its own get rid of anything, right? We don't right. oppose single payer, leg- uh, we don't oppose equal pay legislation because it won't get rid of sexism. No one's suggesting any of these things are a panacea. But the idea that you would stop or get in the way of something that helps a lot of people, especially the people who are the victims of racism, as is in the, in the health, case of healthcare or minimum wage and sexism, I mean, women and POC hurt the most you know, dis, suffer disproportionately uh, under, you know, suffer from low minimum wage and suffer from underinsurance. Um, and I think that, yes, there is a there is this dance between universalism and the particular, but I guess I'm, I'm, and I think that there's a larger discussion to be had there, but I guess I do think it's worth kind of, I'm not accepting the framing of, of liberals, but I think I have probably, a, 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 not, I'm not quite where Vivek um Sorry, what's his last? I can't Chibber. remember. his remembers last name. Uh, Chipper is in terms of yeah. I mean, I think that that we probably agree. He and I agree in lots of ways. I think that in terms of framing, I probably disagree. But I'm also interested in kind of saying like, okay, let's play. Let's uh, let's play that game of um, separating issues and focusing on the way that people's different lived experiences. Because I think that's also important. But let's say let's say I didn't even think of that as an important thing. I I, I was all about like you know, just the o- overlapping uh, issues, right? Like, just strategically, I think it's worth showing what BS these people are, are, are spouting out, right? Like, again, if you care more about these disenfranchised groups, these are the people suffering the most under these u- universal issues. Right, right, So I think that they're two somewhat separate discussions. One is about, like, you know, how much... It- we, how much economic exploitation is at the root of things, and I and I would agree that it is at the root of a lot of things. Of course, then we have like certain ideologies that are built up around uh, economics, uh, like race stuff. You know, it is it is. You can argue with this economic origins of slavery, but clearly that's kind of a Frankenstein uh, taken off a mind of its own, right? And like, right, right. Um, But again, I do think that one one question is is kind of. What we want, and what we want to fight for, and, I, and we should be focusing on that. But I also do think there's—I guess I think there's value. I do. I think there's value in stripping neoliberalism of its identity politics cred. That's yeah. what it comes insofar down as, to. In
1: so far as they can't achieve what they set out to necessarily. Not given, only can they not the achieve it, they don't. Economic
0: means. Right. They don't. They either are ignorant and don't get it, or in, in lots of cases, they don't want to. If you cared about women, you'd care, and people of color, you would care about the minimum wage. I know I sound like a broken record, but it just so they care about abstractions,
1: right? I think that's really what we're getting at here. We're dancing around it, but they liberals care about abstractions.
0: They care about messaging. They care about uh, messaging. Abstract
1: women. They care about abstract Black folks. They care about abstract LGBTQ folks. Um, But when it comes to the real, this is what I'm getting at. This is one of the dangers of intersectionality as a as a theory
0: yeah I, and I also I think that they care about like I think that they care about these people when they're abstract or when they're in their socioeconomic groups um, or and when they, they
1: stay in their lane like you know when they yeah. play the good race right. advocate right right but as soon as you overstep your bounds, you become the radical race advocate, then all of a sudden you're a stooge sure. of people who oh. don't care about racism right you lose your agency
0: yeah I, I mean Sally Albright openly says about Nina. Turner, that she's, she does that really dishonest, some people say that, some people have said that Nina Turner is like Bernie's Omarosa, comparing Amarosa uh, uh, to, you know, Nina Turner to, to Bernie Sanders yeah, to yeah. Omarosa to Trump. Um, you know, people attack, it's really interesting how much people attack Nina Turner. Uh, they, I guess they don't notice that she's an African American woman. But you know, uh, anyone well, can who,
1: explain that away, right? It's either Russia is to blame right. or she's under the spell of those leftists who secretly don't care about her oh, as, right. as a black woman. Like
0: there's nothing know. at all infantilizing about that, about pretending that, you know, again, I'm doing it to impress guys, Nina Turner's doing it to, to curry favor with white white the white male patriarchy. Um, you know the idea—the idea, the idea that, that black people or people of color may have different politics. I mean, again, yes, this exactly. is the yeah. the mon—you know—they are a flattened monolith, and their their political ideology ranges from Cory Booker to um, I don't know uh, Maxine Waters, and then you know Clarence Thomas is bad, but anyone to the left of those people are are Uncle Toms. You know that's that's the narrative. Like, guess what? Like right. African. Also, on the other side, like, guess what? Not every African-American is woke on um, when it comes to Islamophobia. Sorry. No, they're not. Sorry, guys. Not, I mean, not every
1: of any identity exactly, category yeah, is anything. Right. right? So I think the difference between us and them, right, is we may use the same language. We may even use the same framework, which is kind of like a vaguely, broadly sort of uh, weaponized intersectionality, yeah. whether we do it or they do it. But the difference between us and them is for them it's about these abstract identity categories, and for us it's about... Oh politics right it yeah. has to be about politics
0: well it's about solidarity it's about solidarity also for us yeah. right and there's
1: nothing about melan- this there's nothing about the level of melanin in your skin that automatically leads to a certain set of political principles right there just isn't right that the one's political identifications and principles are much more multifaceted than that um and we have to appeal to people's lived experience. And that's like that's what I say about like no matter how much I may criticize intersectionality as a theoretical apparatus, I'm still strategically intersectional right. as a socialist because it's that's the best way that we have right now to to talk about the particularities of people's lived experience as opposed to the liberals who talk about abstractions.
0: Well, I think liberals it's two things, right? Well well first of all, let let me remind me I wanna go back to the abstraction. I'm writing this down. Abstraction versus um, Concrete. OK, remind me to go back to that. But but what we like the Communist Party, you know, the International Workers Order, they had the JPFO, that was the Jewish People's Fraternal Order. They had the African-American. They didn't call it. I'm sure they called it the Negro Fraternal Order. They organized this way, too. Like the Communist Party, CPUSA was not obviously a uh, an identity politics uh, the, the 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 ends were not identity politics ones right um, and that's such a charged word we can, we'll talk about that in a second but like uh, different show another episode but um they clearly are were like internationalists and you know they're str- they were trying to overthrow capitalism but they got that you organize that's how you organize right and
1: you caucus you can yeah, caucus yeah. with the people who have the same experiences and the same right. issues and concerns that you do and then bring them to the collective right. to try to sort of uh, sell it
0: Because we know that our labor – I mean it's not like – let's not also pretend that there weren't problems with racism in the labor movement. Uh, I think that we had those, but I also think that that's one of the best places to democratize uh, kind of the world is through labor organizing. Right, and
1: and labor is is just setting workers in competition with one another. It's just that simple, and the bosses do that, and racism is one of the most effective ways historically to – Use the competition amongst workers To your advantage If it's you're a boss easy, Right, it's to, easy To lower wages and benefits And, and power And, and right. class power And so race is a tool uh, To ramp up the competition Among workers right. in that way It's not some like Medical condition or
0: whatever Right, it's easy And it's straightforward, right And uh, there's a lot of work That was already put into it And of course there's the whole thing But it's true about like The kind of hierarchy, right And like It is kind of amazing When you look at the, the wealth The income uh inequality uh, the re, you know the problems of, in, of distribution the way that capital works capitalism works like it's amazing that there aren't constant revolutions and, and uprisings and part yeah. one of the reasons not I mean this is kind of basic uh, Marxist theory, whatever, but like one of the reasons is because of this divide and conquer thing, right? Like, so you hold you you hold on to whatever privileges you have or perceived privileges you have, and you look down on other people, and you know it's that combined with the American dream and this delusion of upward mobility. Um, but in in terms of the abstract versus concrete, I think that it's an, there is an abstract like wokeness right where where they like the being the idea of of being a champion for this group or that group but i also think that there is a kind of uh, on the other extreme there's a very concrete self-interest but it's a concrete self-interest that doesn't extend i mean it's a very self self self-interest it's the concrete part is only about yourself it's not about other people brand it's about so, their brand, and their about their brand. yeah themselves. right or it's about like yeah. their their lived experience but not in a kind of in not there's no there's not a lot of solidarity right it's like solidarity within one class um, so you know again I, I if you're a, a, a middle-class black woman bougie black woman let's say and you really care about um, the suffering of, of black people then you want to care about uh, uh, you know the people making minimum wage, not just people, not just what happens in business meetings. And Microaggressions are are um, they're annoying. Like I've suffered yeah, them sucks. too, right? But like, let's yeah. just also be or, honest, or like
1: the dating world, or or any other kind of like daily injustice that a upper middle class black woman would face, or something.
0: Yeah, or like or or like makeup shopping for makeup, right? Like they don't have the, they don't have shade.
1: Yeah. Or what the definition of nude may be, right? Like, that sucks, you know? And it is it is race. It's a form of racism, but...
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Or you're, you aren't you are being yeah. told, like, you are not told by society that you're attractive off the bat, like, the same way, you know... I mean, they're obviously different. There's a lot to go unpack there. But, uh, again, it's not like these things are mutually exclusive, but you can fight for economic rights of people and um try to get them you know you can fight so that people can put food on their on the tables for their families right. and talk about the 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 way that you get passed over for a promotion and that's the the, the problem is that when i say concrete self self-interest stuff it's like it's like they for them that's where sexism ends or or racism ends it's like in, in for some people it's their very their personal experience but once their thing is resolved they don't care about other things
1: yeah, it's a form of self-help, right? I think that's how yeah. it's played out in in, in the black uh, community. It's a form of uh, racial uplift and self-help.
0: You mean the liberal, it, the, the neoliberal The neoliberal
1: community? sort of uh, race, race politics. I had yeah. Cedric Johnson on several episodes ago in his book and recent article touches on this quite well. And, and, and his argument is that, you know, um, um, uh, ra- race is not, does not provide a ready-made political constituency, right? You need... A combination of a lot of things, which class grounds that in, in a way to produce a, a certain type of active political constituency. Because otherwise, it just devolves into this, yeah, this kind of like, well, I lift myself up and I'll clap for you. I'll give you snaps as you lift yourself up, and and we're all going to be in the b- corporate boardroom together. Right,
0: right, exactly, um, right. It's Cheryl. It's lean-in politics, pantsuit yeah. politics, yeah. yeah. Uh, feminism, sorry, lean-in feminism. Yeah. I mean, my friend Karina Moreno, who's been on my show a bunch. Um, she says, like I wish that microaggressions were the extent of, of like the, of the racism and sexism that I feel. She was she was born in Mexico, um, and she's you know she's in DSA and everything. Uh, but I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know like again, if you care this is important. like I think it sucks when I'm at a party and like guys are all talking to each other about politics, and I'm just as smart, if not smarter than a bunch of the guys, and they, none of them makes eye contact with me. like that's annoying. But again, I'm not going to prioritize that uh, struggle over the over having women uh, make a minimum wage or over like women in Honduras who I don't think should be forced to live in in the in the femi- in a live in a femicide capital which you know they did thanks to the fact that we, that Hillary Clinton helped uh, normalize the coup dictator the the coup government.
1: Yeah, rest uh, in that, peace of uh, yeah, Cáceres. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, Cáceres, yeah. Uh,
1: Who actually, uh,
0: who predicted, it's okay, everyone calls for that. Um, I say that like I'm her I'm, her sister.
1: I'm just a honker. No, I don't have yeah. a good uh, Spanish accent. No it's, it's, that. no,
0: it's just the, a, it's, it's, the inf- it's
1: the emphasis. Caceres. Yeah. No, wrong emphasis the wrong yeah, exactly. syllable or something along that it's line. It's Yeah. So we're going to break here for right. a minute. Um, we covered a lot of good theoretical stuff. I want to talk with you a little bit more about a couple dead pundits and a couple Twitter beefs yeah. that you got into but folks are going to have to head on over to the Patreon because we're at an hour and I don't want to lose too many people otherwise if you have other things to go about your day maybe you're finished doing your laundry at the laundromat or your subway has reached its final destination or you're
0: waiting to listen to your next episode of the katie halper show or you're
1: heading over to the katie halper show and listening to her fantastic catalog and donating to her patreon as well. yes oh yeah adam i think
0: it's i think you may i think someone has to donate to my patreon
1: i i owe you a couple bucks on your patreon yes i Mm -hmm. do and i just figured out how to do that on my end so i will be donating as you all should be donating to the Katie Halper show. I am astonished when people uh, uh, donate to my show and they have like five, six, ten Patreons that they subscribe to. Isn't that fucking amazing? Like, I think that really speaks to yeah, like, the political that moment great, that we're yeah. in right now. Like, there are a lot of broke-ass people out there, but I think it's fantastic that the people who have some some income that is disposable that they want to sort of support the movement in the way that they are. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. if you got to scratch uh Donate to Katie's Patreon. Yes. Check out her page, and uh, if you are a member of the Dead Punnet Society, head on over to Patreon, and we will continue this conversation over there. Katie, say bye to the to, to the normal. Bye.
0: Thanks so much. Oh, and you can find me Katie Halps on Twitter. by the way, Katie
1: Halps on Twitter. Go to uh, you know find her on iTunes at the Katie Halps. <laughs> And that was the free version of my interview with Katie Halper about gender essentialism and woke neoliberal feminism and Twitter, a lot of Twitter. Sorry about that. But, hey, it can be an important arena of struggle. Where do you think these lanyard dicks hang out? On the daily Twitter. Anyway, thanks for joining. Thanks for watching the show. Uh, If you want to get an additional 45 minutes of that interview head on over to the Patreon page and smash that subscribe button. You'll get that as well as a two-hour interview that I did with Adolph Reed. That is really freaking good that I mentioned that it's really excellent. It's good. Um, I'm promising you it's worth like a couple bucks a month. Uh, very, very worth a couple bucks a month. Check me out on Twitter at Dead Pundits. Stay tuned. Got a lot of great stuff coming to you throughout the rest of the summer. Thanks for joining us. Dead Pundit out.